back in on Canuck Central. Safiar Shaw with Israel Fair from The Athletic. We are, we are going to be joined by Julian McKenzie coming up in just a few moments. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? And Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep superstore on 2nd Avenue between Canby and Maine or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. Uh, we are going to be joined by Julian coming up in a few moments, but we were talking about uh, deadline editions in our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 65650, uh, full of responses. Some saying, put PD on the wing with Lindholm. Others saying, don't trade for Lindholm. I've been watching him recently, isolating on his games. He's been mediocre. We don't want mediocre players. So, People, they have their opinions on the player, of course. But I think Calgary is a fascinating spot because they, in many ways, hold the keys to the trade deadline. Like three of the best trade targets are on their team in many mm-hmm. ways. Again, so we don't know. If he is, of course, he shoots up the list. But if if he isn't, right now, how many players would you rank ahead of Tanev, Lindholm, and Hannafin in terms of trade deadline rentals? Yeah, not a lot. They They, they are... They are going to be in the mix. So we're going to be hearing a lot about them. Yeah. And they're not the seller in the sense that the team is terrible, right? Like they're a seller in the sense that they haven't hit expectations the last couple of years. They've got these players coming up as free agents. There's a lot of pressure, I think, on GM Craig Conroy, who's taken this job. You know, Pratt Living leaves in the offseason. He gets promoted from AGM. He's been there for a long time. But like you're, you're setting the course for what the future of this franchise is going to look like. And you've got some really, really appealing pieces that are whatever trade board you're looking at, those guys are somewhere in, in the top five, in the top 10. Yeah, no, they certainly are. And uh, it's a fascinating spot. And to talk about that and more, we are joined by Julian McKenzie uh, from The Athletic, the Chris Johnson Show, of course, and also Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Julian, always a pleasure having you on the show. And uh, Julian is a presentation. I got to get this in. We have a new sponsor here. We have a hotline sponsor. Uh, and we go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline, joined by Julian McKenzie. And you're our first guest on the new hotline. So uh, I guess congrats to you. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this is what a special time. I mean, yeah. Already, I thought the fact that I was talking to Israel Fair is going to be a big deal, but like a sponsor too. Like this is this is awesome. Do I get a cut of the check? <laughs> I'm not sure we get a cut of it, but if if we do, I'll, I'll send some over for you. All right, we'll do it Please that way. Do man, yeah. I'll, I'll split it with India <laughs> if I ever get to visit him in Vancouver. Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, Israel Fair, of course, hosting the show with the Athletic as well. Um, do you have a fun Izzy story for us? Oh Julie? man. Oh, do I have a fun Izzy story? Oh, my God. I don't know if I can say it. Honestly. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> you can. Right. I know what you're thinking. I don't think you can. <laughs> right. I don't know. We'll the, only, the only thing I'll say about Izzy is, like, it, like I, I've watched, like, a few episodes of The Wire, and I see, like, clips all the time. Our thing is to, like, uh, I don't know if you remember the scene where, uh, is Marlo? Like, he, he has that big, like, table, like, scene where he has all these guys mm-hmm. in coalition. And like at one point he gets up, he's like, "All right, guys, one more thing. Price of the brick going up." Like <laughs> then he walks off. That's like our thing. That's our line. Like, yeah. yeah. That's Julian our line. is a good like, piece. I'm like, price of bricks going up, dude. Yes. Price of big going up, man. That's that's what I'm hoping for, man. With uh, with the athletic, man, and he's been a big step in that. So 
I, I couldn't pass up this opportunity to talk to him on radio. Oh, love it, love it. Yeah, and when it comes to wire discussions, we've we've gone uh, through quite a few of those with Israel Fair, of course. Uh, all right, uh, as far as the team you cover so closely in the Cal- with the Calgary Flames, and you are in Toronto, we'll talk a bit about the All-Star game as well coming up in, yeah. in, in a little bit later. But uh, in terms of the Calgary Flames, we were just talking leading into you joining the show. They're probably the team that controls the trade deadline the most. I mean, until we know what the future holds for Jake Gensel, as far as the rental market goes, you can easily make the case the three best players uh, players on the rental market are with the Calgary Flames, whether Elias Lindholm, Chris Tanev, and Noah Hannafin. So how much is that really like hanging over the team right now in terms of them being such a big deadline player? Yeah, it, it's, hang, it's been hanging over them pretty much since Craig Conrad took over this job when he straight up went to everyone and said he didn't want to repeat of what happened with Johnny Gaudreau uh, when he was attending USA and essentially they left him, they, they, they let him go for nothing. Uh, yes, they did get stuff for, for Matthew Kachuk, but Johnny Gaudreau seems like the way that was handled. There was still a lot of fans who have been hurt personally in that way. And you could tell that Flames management, at least from the way Craig Conner spoke about it, they know that they can't have a repeat of that. So to see that Elias Ludholm and Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin have the situations that they have pretty much since the start of the year, it's just been, you know, we're looking at the situation. Is Elias Ludholm going to play to the level where could be a $9 million player. Right now, if you look at his stats, it doesn't seem to suggest that. Uh, for Noah Hannafin, we've heard talks about whether or not it, it, it seems that they're really close to an extension earlier in the year. Now, the last we heard on that was that there were talks, but it seems like it's just been the status quo ever since. And who knows uh, with how this team plays, how much that affects whether or not he wants to stay. He'll get more money than anyone else if he stays in John but if he want to stay on a team that might not be a cup contender for the foreseeable future. And then you have Chris Tanev, who there aren't many defensemen like him on the market. It's a tough right shot defenseman who I think if you you see how GMs look at teams and guys who are playoff ready, you look at a guy like Chris Tanev and you're like, yeah, like he just kind of fits that description, so to speak. And I, I think the Flames would want something pretty, I mean, not talking about like multiple picks and prospects for Chris Tanev, but they definitely want a high, high, high pick for it. You know, like they want something substantial enough in return for that type of player and I think there are going to be enough teams we're going to try to you know make that happen for them. so yeah I, I think for for those three players in particular they could easily dominate headlines on the market those are the pending UFAs if you talk to people in Calgary they'll say well, Blake Coleman's having a great year can we move him what about Jonathan Huberto <laughs> and that massive contract we can't have him here anymore Jacob Markstrom's available you know what I'm saying like yeah. there are a lot of people who have been starving for this team to do anything like this, where they move on from pieces, they get picks, they're tired of being in the mushy middle, they see teams who have, you know, been able to take elite players in the top three, top five, and they've been able to become the class of the, of the league, and they want a piece of that. And even if this, like, if they move on from Hannafin, they move on from Lincoln, they move on from Tannen, maybe that doesn't necessarily get them to that point, but that at least starts them on that point. There are a lot of fans who are waiting patiently for that. We're not that far removed from Lindholm being a key part of, uh, I guess, that season, the best line in hockey with Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, but the last year and a half have not been great. And, I mean, we're looking at texts in our inbox here where people are going, hey, he's he's an average player. He's a mediocre player. Uh, He was, you know... He was lifted up by Goudreau and Kachuk. You've watched him pretty closely over these last couple of seasons. Uh, I think that, to me anyway, the skill is pretty apparent, but the production hasn't been there. What What is holding him back uh, from from being the kind of guy that, that he was in, in the prior years before the last two? 
I, I have to think that the quality of players, I think it's pretty, I think you have to admit it plays a role in the statistics. I mean, him being on one line where Johnny Gaudreau is on your left, Matthew Kachuk's on your right, you don't have to worry about it switching around or anyone being moved around. I think guys like that. I think guys like having that consistency in the Calgary players could rely upon that. The season after, you're, you're having to adapt to play like Johnson, Huberto, and Tyler Toffoli, but then there are all these changes on the left-hand side while Tyler Toffoli stays on the right. I mean, at least that worked out, but you had all these different left wingers and, and you're, you're varying in terms of quality. Like, for sure, that's that place really, even this season, mm-hmm. where you try to make Huberto and uh, Jaeger, Sharon, go before you go away from that, and then you go back to that well, and you're getting a variation in production. There was a game earlier this year where they put A.J. Greer on that top line, right? Like, mm-hmm. the quality of line mates for, for, for him has definitely gone down uh, since those two players are left, and I think that plays a role in it. But I, I do also wonder, in a contract year, where you think that a player like a lot, like we see so many guys in contract years try to step up and play beyond what we normally expect. Them. Look at a guy like Sam Martin from Florida, mm-hmm. who's been, who scores has as many power play goals as teams do. But for a guy like Lincoln, it just has not happened. For a guy who made it known to everyone that he wants to stay in Calgary, and I think that was pretty clear to me that he wanted money to go beyond $8.75, million for his next contract. This is played like a guy who deserved that. But I also think that while his skill set as a good defensive forward, while trying to create some offense, I don't think it's been there in some ways and it needs to be there and that's playing towards that decline. I also think just some of the changes in, in line mates, obviously the drop down from what we've seen from him before, has played a role in that production. In terms of the contract for him, I think, you know, the conversation around him a year ago was, is he going to get eight and a half, nine million per season? Is he getting a monster type of contract? It's been a couple of tough years, but in terms of like, what is, what his market might be here? He's, do you think he's still very much looking for that, for that same type of payday? Or do you think there might be some realization, you know, that may not be coming? Not, not in Calgary, obviously. That's a good question. Uh, I, I, I can't help but think that if you have, what, two goals in the last how many games and you're going to Craig Conroy and you're trying to be a $9 million player, I don't know how that conversation's going. Like, I don't think that's going in favor of the live one. It seems as if there hasn't been that much in terms of conversation lately. There was a lot of talk around the beginning of, of the season around training camp, but we haven't really heard that much of talk since. It's been pretty quiet on that front, and I have to imagine that with this performance being as it is, I think if you're Craig Conroy in the Flames, I would be very hesitant to give him anything north of 8.75 million or 8.5. I, I think he, the way that he's playing, while he is your top line center, and there's no one on the team right now who'd be able to replace that skill set, he has not played like a $9 million player. And I think considering how this, this season has been going and what this team ultimately needs to do, it sort of feels like a foregone conclusion that he's going to get to. I don't know if you guys remember this, but when they announced the, uh, the All-Stars for each team for this week's uh, All-Star game, like on ESPN, they're going through all the players, and, and John Butchacross, like, goes to live one, and it's like, yeah, he'll be traded. Like, everyone just kind of, <laughs> it just feels like an open secret that like, yeah. the players are going to move on from this guy. And I, I, it's probably the thing to do, considering that they need picks, they need prospects, and, and I know I put the article today about trade proposals and, and all that and, and I can imagine that some people probably view them as optimistic uh, considering what his play has been like this year but this is the guy the Flames need to hit a home run on in terms of a, a 
good return. Like a Noah Hannafin, you can get a modest return for him. Chris Tannen, you get a high draft pick, and then you get a, a prospect coming back the other way. I don't think you're expecting the million stars for him. Before I went home, you need, yeah, I think you need a decent haul uh, to help your efforts along in terms of a retool. And then if you want to go full rebuild or at least just and accelerate those efforts on the retool, you go in the summer and you move on from some of those pieces. But a 28-year-old center, about to be 29, or he is 29 already, but he's less of the best years ahead of him. He can at least be a 2C on a contending team. Maybe on lesser teams, he can still be a number one C. That's your most valuable asset to deal away. And I get the production's not there, but he has to, it has to work out from the return standpoint if you're the Calgary Flames, if that's the road you want to go you mentioned the piece that you have up at The Athletic. It's a uh, combo piece with uh, prospects expert Corey Pronman. Uh, generated a lot of reaction. It's six different trade packages from some of the top contenders oh, in the go. league. Uh, Boston, uh, Colorado, Dallas, Vancouver is on the list, Vegas, and Winnipeg. Um, what would these teams be getting in Lindholm? You mentioned as he could be a two C on a contender. Is that the is that what you think is is attractive to all of these teams where they're looking at this guy? They know what the ceiling is for his play, and they feel like, hey, if we can pop this kind of talent into our lineup, he could make a difference for us. Absolutely, I think if you like a team like a Vancouver that has its top line set, you put him in the middle of your lineup, and you put him with quality line mates on his left and right you get a player who will contribute to scoring, who will play well defensively, put him up against solid players on the opposition. You can have him up as a penalty killer. He can work his way. Not work his way, but he can be on a team's power play too. He can do a lot of stuff for a team. It's not just a guy who a lot of people just go, like, oh, it's just a mediocre player. He does so much for the Calgary players. I know they haven't had a lot of success on the power play, but this is a player that they use in all situations. And I think if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you can having a similar role and I think he'd benefit from being on a team he doesn't have to be the guy I don't know if he could ever be the guy on the team but for him to be a team's second line center uh, that's that's pretty good depending on what your center that looks like beyond him like that could be really good that's why teams like Colorado have been thrown up so much where they know the value of center depth that's why a guy like Dawson Kodge thrived there for as long as he was there he wasn't going to have to be the guy but there are other star players above him that help that case. But I think for a guy like Lindholm, if he goes to a team like Colorado, if he goes to a team like Vancouver, or if he goes to a team even like Winnipeg, where he doesn't have to be the guy on that team, but you plug him into the middle of that lineup, he'll be able to do all these little things to make that team better. And if you're getting a, and considering some of those teams that we did mention, those are spots where there are quality players that could find themselves fitting along Elias Lindholm. Now, there's no shade to the Calgary guys. I think there's some good players there, but they're not playing at the level that they're all expected to play at in order to make the playoffs. Clearly, if, if this works out for the players, you send them to a playoff team, I think the quality of linemen that you'll be around will, will, will be upgraded significantly. And I think that'll, that'll benefit him possibly. Uh, final thing on the Calgary Flames here before we uh, ask you a little bit about the All-Star game or the festivities at the very least. How realistic is a Blake Holman or a Jacob Markstrom trade at the deadline? I think for a Markstrom trade, I, I still think with the, the $6 million price tag attached to it, that's still quite expensive, I think, for a lot of teams. Look, we're just coming off a year where Aiden Hill won a Stanley Cup coming out of nowhere, looking out for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think even his new contract now, his new AAV is still not the level of Markstrom. Like, 
there's going to have to be some salary retention to make that work. And I think that the Flames have probably got something substantial, especially since he's been playing as well as he's been playing. Uh, they have all the retention spots, but they could make it work in theory. It's just, I think, something that have to really be like, okay, can't miss thing. And remember, he has no movement clause as well, so there's a lot of hoops that would have to be jumped. Blake Colvin is it's pretty interesting, right? Like, he's, he's a middle of a lineup player. He's doing really well on that line with, uh, with Michael Backlund and Andrew Manchipani. He's in the midst of a career season. He's a 31-year-old, too. Like, it might not get any better than what's going on, but I also wonder with the salary, too, even if he is a little less expensive than the March limit, that's a guy who, if you want to see that as an off-season trade, maybe that works, right? Similar to what happened with College of Foley, where he's an older player. He's more of a scorer, but this is a guy who had a peak season last year with the Flames, and the Flames decided, okay, well, he's not, uh, he's depending UFA. We've got to move on from him to get the infrastructure coverage out of it. The thing with Coleman, he's got a couple of years left on that deal as well. The teams want that on the hook, knowing that the decline might not be too far as he's in his early 30s. Like, that's it really interesting question. Maybe the time would be now, but I also wonder, uh, just, I, I think with the Q&A that Craig Conroy had with Eric Tuhachik at the Athletic a couple of weeks ago, how Craig Conroy, and I'm paraphrasing the video, I don't think he had that appetite to take him a lot losing, and that losing would come with a full-scale rebuild. And having guys like Blake Coleman around who won games, who know what it takes to win, know what it takes to be a leader in the locker room, I wonder how much the Flames value that type of player. I think, you know, some really good offer comes their way and they, they take it. Like, I, I can see them taking it for the sake of getting younger and, and retooling. But I also wonder, depending on who gets to stay and who gets to go, is Blake Coleman just a guy who could just kind of stick around and help some of these younger players learn about being around the league and just be that kind of mentor figure for those guys? He's a bit more of a question. For, I mean, they're both questions at the end of the day. Uh, but I, I have a lot more questions about Coleman getting traded than, than, than March, even if he has that trade potential. Uh, as mentioned, Julian, you are in Toronto. It is uh, the All-Star weekend coming up. This is uh, an interesting All-Star game in the sense that the, the uniforms have gotten a lot of reaction. Uh, I think mostly negative, but reaction is reaction. Yes. Uh, the skills yeah. competition has been rejigged now with uh, some, some prizes, the best players in the league going after it. A million bucks up for grabs. Like that's that's going to get people's attention and the, the return of the draft. Uh, so heading into, to, you know, it doesn't kick off for, for a few days. Uh, a lot of teams are on buys, but there still are some NHL games being played up until Wednesday. But looking ahead toward the weekend, Julian, what, what are you most looking forward to uh, from uh, the All-Star festivities in Toronto? I think it is the skills competition. It seems like it's going to be the most exciting part. But I think the draft, too, uh, there's a potential for that to be really interesting since they brought that back. I think just any opportunity where maybe you see a glimpse of personality and coolness from the players. Like, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I find it really weird whenever I see, like, hockey fans look at the All-Star game and say, nah, like, this this event sucks. <laughs> I don't like being there. I'm like yeah. watching it and whatever. I'm just like, don't we, shouldn't we want it to at least sort of succeed for the good of the game? Mm. Like, I look at the NBA and I get there are years where their all-star games have been done. They have years where playing that competition is all we talk about for an entire weekend or the all-star game. Even if some of the guys don't play, there are bursts of moments where guys are, are going at each other and trading buckets back and forth. And even at the score tournament, it's high. Like, you see some of the best players like really show off, and it's like a really cool thing. 
Look at Thailand, Major League Baseball. They're they're all star game matters and one where it's dictated home field edge of the World Series. And like it wasn't a perfect thing, but that was still something that the players could get up for, right? Especially if you were on a good team and you felt you could go all the way that year. Like I I think it'd be really cool if like the NHL had something that is like a really good product for the All Star game. And they've had that before. But I think maybe it's just kind of like been in need of some kind of jump and some kind of new create new creative measure to make it work and maybe there's an opportunity there this year with the all-star skills competition and, and having everyone compete for a million dollars and I don't know how the game will go. It seems like we're I feel like a lot of my colleagues are kind of already like like considered like a washout. Like they're like <laughs> yeah. they're already expecting it to not be as exciting, but also it's in the middle of the day on Saturday and it's all these like three games and whatnot. Like, all right, whatever. It's not gonna be a big deal. But if that skills competition works out like that, that would be really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I imagine that some of the other topics du jour when it comes to the NHL world like Hockey Canada that would obviously cloudy media day and stuff like that. But in terms of the actual game, like with skills competition, if that's if that ends up being a winner and that gets brought back for how many years, like that's a big deal. And that's going to affect the players, too. Like, I mean, we've seen, like, Jack Hughes and, like, trying to keep himself healthy to compete in this. That's a good thing that players are into. Like, you have to find stuff that players will ultimately care about. So that way, like, yeah, ultimately the fans can feel that. And then they uh, they enjoy themselves watching it wherever that, whether they're there or whether they're watching from home. Like, ultimately, I, I'm not saying, like, the All-Circuit has to work to save the league, but it can be good if they did. Absolutely. I mean, hey, uh, any increased revenue streams for the league is a good thing and also just something that's a bit more entertaining, right? Uh, Hey, Julian, we won't keep you any longer. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Uh, Enjoy the festivities in Toronto and uh, we'll go down the wire a bit more the next time you join us. Sounds good. Sorry for all the the noise at this dinner place that I'm at. It hasn't (laughs) heated this at all. No, man, it's all good. We got you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Julian. Thanks, guys. Price of the bricks going up. <laughs> it's gone up. After that call, you know it's gone up. Uh, and that is a hotline brought to you by Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. The first call, the only call. Uh, it was good stuff there from Julian. Now, hey, uh, we are up against it. We got to take a break. It's Satyar Shah with Israel Fair. Don Taylor joins us next on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Two of Canuck Central, Satyar Shah with Israel Fair. And this hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.prevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. We are going to be joined by Don Taylor coming up in just a moment. And as always, get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll hit more of your comments and questions, especially uh, a bit later in the show here. We have one more segment coming up after Donnie, but it is time to get to Don Taylor. And for that, we go to Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. And Don Taylor, Donnie and Dolly, Monday to Friday on Czech TV. What's happening, Don? How was your weekend? Oh, good. I mean, it, it just um, 
watching that Canuck game on Saturday night and, and the, the comeback the Canucks made and then the two football games yesterday, how could it not be good, guys? Everything was so entertaining. It really was, right? I mean, you know, I mean, we were saying maybe we'll end off with the football stuff, but in terms of, you know, cinema, and we talk about big moments, I mean, that's why NFL is often king, isn't it? Because of, like, they have these big moments that are just so visceral and, and having the single game elimination, you just can't really replicate that. But in terms of what we saw on the weekend, that was just incredible TV, wasn't it? Yeah, and just uh, drama and controversy and fun and outstanding athleticism. Just there, it was just all there, and it, it you know it doesn't always live up to the hype. But that wasn't the case on uh, on Sunday. It was just uh, absolutely spectacular. I was looking at Enosat. You're you're a Cleveland fan, and, and uh, that's those are the kinds of teams that I'm you know as I get later on in life. Not to sound like an old man here, but I will for a second here. Those are the kind of teams that I pull for, and I really wanted Detroit to pull that one out yesterday. Yeah. I've never seen them in a, in a Super Bowl. Hey, I haven't seen them do much. We all know the stat that they hadn't won a playoff game since 91 going into this postseason. So that was disappointing for me, but, I mean, it was really dramatic and controversial and all, all the adjectives I used uh, previously. Well, you know, you know what I was kind of hoping for? I mean, I, I had the Niners winning, but I was hoping the Lions would win because you know what a great conversation would be? If the Lions can go this far without making the playoffs in like three decades, why can't the Canucks? <laughs> Everything <laughs> comes back to the Canucks, right? Exactly. You know, hey, but look, the, the, the Lions would kill for the kind of success the Canucks have had, you know, making to you know, the, the, the league final, if you will, a couple of times uh, since 91. So they, they would they would love that. But that's just a, you know, I, I go way back with the NFL and remember a lot of the old players there. And, and just they've just been so, there were some great players as well, like Alex Carroll and Bobby Lane and, of course, uh, Barry Sanders and Billy Sims. There's a whole lot there, but just not much team success. And I like the uniforms, I like the different shade of blue, the silver, I like all that, but there's, there just hasn't been anything there, and I was I, I was pulling for them, but it was too bad. The last time we saw the Canucks on Saturday, I guess they were in the the Forty Niners position where they had uh, they they had a, yeah, a big lead, scores, to, yeah. a big lead to <laughs> to overcome, and uh, they they did. It's been just that kind of season for them, Donnie. They uh, every time that they get pushed, they they seem to respond. I know it's Columbus; they're, they're certainly not the greatest team in the league, but that must have been a, a pretty good way for this team to to head into the break, even if it was far from their best performance. No, and, and, you know, Israel, that, that's the kind of game that they lose uh, in the past, right, where, you know, they're going into the all-star break and they're playing a so-called lesser opponent and they just don't have it on that night. And it's a really boring, dull, sad sack affair. But it's just so different this year that they realize that I think Rick Tockett hammers this home to them all the time. He certainly hammers it home to the media in his post-game press conferences and uh, you know, press conferences, press gatherings after after practice that, you know, some days you just don't have it. Some shifts you don't have it. Some periods you don't have it. And you have to fight through that. And you have to keep plugging away. You just don't have the legs. You know, you just don't feel right. Maybe you didn't have the right meal before. You, ju- you just have to fight through all that and, and try to, you know, at the very least, and I think this is really, really important with Rick Dockett, get a point out of things, get a point out of that game. And in the case of Saturday, they got two. There's just a whole lot of character there. You know, you, 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 maybe you worry a bit if you're a Canuck fan and how they performed against Chicago, uh, St. Louis, and Columbus uh, recently. But that's all going to change. The schedule gets a lot uh, tougher. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, as well as they've played, 
I think the toughest part of the schedule is is yet to come. I have a feeling that there may be a little, you know, it's hard to believe I'm saying this, but maybe a little bit of blasé right now with with the Canucks and the schedule. And like I say, that that's going to change. It's going to be really, really interesting and hopefully exciting for Vancouver fans. Yeah, it's it's uh, as memorable a stretch run as we can think about for the Canucks coming back after the All-Star break. And it all leads up to the trade deadline as well. And that is fast approaching. And, and you guys, you and Rick today had Elliot Friedman on the show and he mentioned that, uh, you know, Canucks obviously uh, looking to get better, trying to add a forward, maybe even a defenseman. And we know about Kuzmenko, obviously, that his name's been out there. Uh, Elliot mentioned that perhaps Chicago is a team to watch yeah. for him. But he also brought up Nikita Zadorov. And I know Rick got word from uh, Dan Milstein afterwards and said uh, Milstein doesn't expect uh, Zadorov to get traded. But what did you make of that? And what do you think about you know that whole idea of uh, could Zadorov be a player they actually flip instead of keeping for the rest of the season? Well, that it is really interesting. Um, uh, you know, we re- remember him getting benched recently, and I'm wondering, and and you know, you're starting to hear the odd thing. I'm wondering how happy they are with him. And, and, and I don't just mean on the ice. I wonder how he's messing in that room. And I know some people who, um, I don't know, I don't know what, what phrase to use, who don't believe in the room and, you know, like, you know, what's the big deal? That's old hockey culture. And I'm, I, I'm not so sure there's a mesh there right now. Maybe that changes. He adds so much in terms of size and the willingness to drop his gloves and to, and to be aggressive and, and, and all that. But I'm just wondering... <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm wondering if the fit is, is is there with him, and that's something we haven't talked about. Maybe you weaken the blue line a bit, in or maybe Hughes plays half the game anyway, and, and you know, and close to that is Horonic. Maybe you weaken the blue line a bit in order to um, strengthen the top six. I you know, and, and keep in mind that Zadorov has moved around quite a bit. I put it this way: just not, nothing would surprise me right now. But I think this this latest development that hey maybe maybe they I don't know what what's the expression you borrow from Peter to help Paul whatever the expression <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay something like that something biblical that I didn't pay enough attention <laughs> to when I was a kid anyway so that maybe that's a possibility that we we uh, we didn't think of and, and Rick and Elliot were talking a lot about that uh, today but the the, the Kuzmenko to Chicago um, rumors seem to have some legs as well. I think when the fans are looking at this team, Donnie, and looking for for reasons to believe, uh, the the improved uh, depth play and a little bit more physicality are things that people are drawn to. And I think that there are other players on the team that can provide that kind of grit. But Zadorov is the one that stands out just because of his size and his ability to really have those kind of highlight reel checks. Uh, I think everything that you said is fair about maybe some of the the off-ice stuff. But I guess, do you think that the Canucks have enough of that physicality should they move off of Zadorov? No. Uh, And and I just, I I go back to, and I talk about this a lot, and Sat, you know this, that that I I talk about that that game against Vegas last year. Mm -hmm. Vegas comes into town. This is on their way to winning their first Stanley Cup late in the regular season. And, man, Rick, Rick talk, it sounded like he was the president of the Golden Knights fan club. And what he talked a lot about was the physicality and just the size and the relative mobility of the Vegas blue line. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and he sounded jealous. Yeah. And I think Zadorov, you know, was a move, same with Susie, same with Cole, was a move to get there. And so as much as I say that I, given what we know, maybe we wouldn't be surprised with Zadorov moving on. 
I just go back to that press conference and I wonder if I can see that happening. That that yeah. post game interview with with Taka, I think he's got pretty close. Realistically speaking, he'd have to have six Quinn Hughes. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> yeah. uh, or maybe Quinn Hughes, uh, six foot five Quinn Hughes, uh, six of those. But 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 it's pretty close. And I just I I for him to move off that, I just I don't know. I think he wants to give it a shot with this type of blue line. It's uh, pretty impressive how quickly they've moved. Um, between that press conference, between that post game interview, and now that they move pretty quickly to get to get that size, mobility, and and, and toughness, uh, is it where they exactly where they want to be? I'm not sure, but it's a lot closer than anybody would have guessed. But and also a reason why people should not expect a Tyler Myers move for all those reasons you outlined. Having a big defenseman, he's a righty defenseman as well. And yeah. for any any thought of perhaps him getting flipped, that's why you wouldn't expect that because of uh, what you just mentioned about Rick talking and what they want to have on the blue line. As far as Kuzmenko goes, though, uh, Chicago, a new name, we've heard a new team. But I think the point here, and I know Elliot mentioned Nashville, we have heard that as well that it was out there for a bit. I think if we're expecting the Canucks to do anything, it's not going to be most likely Kuzmenko getting traded to, say, Calgary for Lindholm. It's going to have to be they trade Kuzmenko elsewhere, get the space to go and do other things. That's what it looks like, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would think so. And Kuzmenko, and you know, the word is that he's he is drawing interest from other teams, and I can see that because of the 39 goals uh, last year because of all that offensive potential, but maybe even more so because of those numbers. But, and he's only got one year left in his contract. Take a chance on him, you know, at, 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 at what he's making. What is it, five and a half, five and a half per uh, as a cap hit? You've got one year left if it doesn't work out somewhere else. But I could see somebody else who might have trouble getting to the, to the floor next year take, taking a chance on him and that offense potential and, Say working with a guy like Bedard, you don't, you know, you, you you don't know what could happen there. It sounds pretty intriguing. I I, th- I think that's got legs, and like you say, Sat, you know, opening up some, opening up some space for somebody else. When you look at the 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 overall body of work for this team in in the first half of the season, uh, there are obviously a, a number of places where there have been some standouts and there have been a lot of improvements. I'm curious, though, from your perspective. If you were to power rank the, these three things in terms of importance to where this team has gotten to this point, the first one would be the improved depth up front. The second one would be the improved depth on defense. And then the third one would be uh, how they were able to improve the backup goalie position. How would you put those three in order in terms of the importance? In Israel, you're making me work here. Because I can't remember all that stuff. Come on. Thank <laughs> like, it's way too hard. What are the three choices again? Give them to me. Forwards, D, or goal, uh, backup goalie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I got to go D because I, 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 and Sat knows this. I'm, you know, I'm going to go back to that, that, uh, you know, post game interview with with Tockett, and and he just made such a point about about Vegas and having to improve the Canuck defense on how quickly they've act. I'm repeating myself here, and I apologize for that. But but I, I'm I'm going to go with the D just because I didn't think that was possible. It's, pre- it's pretty impressive how big and you know relatively mean and mobile they've gotten in, in quite a short period of time. Of course, they always had Hughes there and have have added uh, Heronic as well. 
But I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. So I'll I'll go uh, with the D. The the guy that's impressed me the most, if I mean, I know I'm going off script here, but that was was that was way too hard of a question. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, the guy that's impressed me the most, and he's he's a play driver, is Garland. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that the the, the, the Ekman Larson Garland deal was a good one by Jim Benning by any means, but he just drives that yeah. line, and it just seems like I never would have guessed it the perfect place for him. It's so perfect for him that I think that the Canucks wouldn't want to move Garland into the top six, even though he might be a solution there, right? He, he might help out and, you know, help out where Kuzmenko is or where, or where Mikheyev is, but that's such a great fit there. I've just been so impressed by him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you with Connor Garland. And I mean, you're right. I mean, hey, that trade is not going to go down in Canucks history as one of their better ones. I mean, yeah. some would still argue it's the worst trade in Canucks history. But at the very least, they have a player now who, who's a difference maker for them, right? And I think that's kind of been part of the story this season is that outside of, of Kuzmenko, really, every single player on this team has found a role and they're having so much success that you're not even really thinking about moving those guys out, right? Like Hoaglander for so long yeah. uh, was a guy yeah. who was like, hey, maybe they move him and maybe that still happens because you have to trade something to get something here yes, but if the yes. way he's played though it's like you can't really find fault in any player on this roster outside of Kuzmenko perhaps Mikheyev he's been a bit cold but outside of that like what are we quibbling about Pedersen not having enough four point games Thatcher Demko maybe having two more shutouts or whatever like what, do yeah. we, what is there to, to really complain about on this roster a couple of turnovers the last two games at the opposition blue line yeah. by Pedersen. Mm-hmm. Not great. Right. But what are you going to do? The guy's a pretty good hockey player. Um, and and I, I think he'll be okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just, just, just <clears throat> very impressed with uh, Pedersen and, and, and just the, the, the probably, probably with Hoaglander. And the way Talkin has got to him, clearly, there's mm-hmm. been you know nights where things haven't been perfect. We can say that about other player, other players. Miller had his struggles the other night as well. Now, you know, not, nothing's been perfect, but way better than I ever thought he could get. And, and I think there's more to come with that guy as his confidence grows as well. And it has to be, it has to have a lot to do with with Rick Tockett. The unfortunate part is he hasn't gotten to the guy that popped in almost 40 goals last year, mm-hmm. and that's that's the the frustrating part and somewhat surprising part. But what are you going to say? They're number one in the National Hockey League. You must be doing something right. It's been just so impressive all, all, almost all the way around. I'll try to keep this uh, this question simple, Donnie. What <laughs> sense do you get that the, the fan base is, is uh, feeling about this team at this point? Are they, are they all in? Do they think that they need a couple of pieces? Are people a little bit reticent to, to dive in with both feet, given that they are Canucks fans and they know that uh, things can turn at any moment? I think that I think that last choice is the one for a lot of people. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's you know it's guys who are my age. Like, geez, we've seen this before, and it never turns out well, and then it ends with a riot. You know, so so <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of that here. But I, I will say this though: I think one of the things this Canuck had, this Canuck group has done this this season, is that for the first time in a long time, you can turn on a game and know that you're. Nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten, they're never out of it, and you're going to be entertained. And it just that doesn't that hasn't happened for a long time. And if some postseason run comes out of it, so much the better. This isn't enough for people, right? Yeah. This is, first overall, that's great. This isn't this isn't enough. But at the very least, there's some entertainment this year, and that hasn't been the case. Some real entertainment, competition. 
but that hasn't been the case for so long. It's been real good. Well, and I mean, and with that, I mean, the Canucks are sending five players to the All Star game. The coach yeah. is going there as well, and we, they have some different. You know, we were talking to Julian McKenzie a bit earlier. I mean, some wrinkles to the All Star format this year, of course, and they have the player draft, the uh, um, the skills competition. There's money on the line for it, a million bucks up for grabs. Uh, are you actually intrigued to not only watch the Canucks at the All Star game or at the All Star weekend, or and also take checking out these tweaks to the event? You know what? Uh, I'm like you guys. I know. I know. I know the way you are. I, I listen to you guys. You're hockey nerds. Uh, so am I. I'm into it. I'll watch it. Everybody rips into the All Star yeah. game. I'm. I'm going to watch it. It's not perfect. It never will be. Um, it, you know, it's a contact sport, and there's no contact in, in the All Star game. That, I think it's as good as it can be at three on three. So that that that's fine. That that skills competition and the goofing oh. around. You know, sometimes you want to look. Sometimes you want to watch just to see how bad it'll be. But I'll, I'll, I, I don't care. I'm a hockey nut. I'm a Canadian. I'm going to be watching it. I, I'm just fine. I'm, I am intrigued by the new old tweaks. It, a lot of the skills remind me of the old Showdown show. Uh, you guys won't remember it's from back in the seventies. But but <laughs> so I'm I'm intrigued by that. I it, it 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 would it would take a lot for me not to tune in. Yeah, I, I'm with you, especially this year. And I, I, I think the guys are going to be pretty jacked up to fight for that money for the All-Star, for, for the skills competition. Like, I, I think we'll see some players actually care about that. There's money on the line. So, Well, yeah, you, you know, I, I'm not so sure. We, we talked about this today on the, on the show. But, you know, the million dollars up for grabs for a guy or, you know, a vacation in Mexico. I'm sure there's a lot of guys who wouldn't mind being, they wouldn't mind vacationing right now. But you know what? It's an honor, and, and I think one of, it's one of those things where if you go as a – I'm rambling again here. If you, go, if you go as a young player, and as the years go by, you'll look back and really, really appreciate it. I, I, I couldn't imagine what an honor it would be and how much fun it would be. And I think these guys will look back as the years go by and say, that was, that was great. No, I'm sure they will, Donnie. And as always, you are great. It's always great to catch up with you and always check out – Don Taylor and Rick Dollywall. Check TV Monday to Friday, noon to noon. 10 to noon. Noon to noon. noon. Always, always fun, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Donnie. Thanks, Donnie. Uh, Great stuff as always from Don Taylor. And yeah, I mean, we were talking about this a bit earlier, but intrigued to watch a skills competition this season with money on the line. Like, I want to see players like care, like get pissed off if they miss something, you know, be really competitive the way they would be, you know, going up against each other. And they're not going to fight over a skills competition, (laughs) but I'm hoping to see, you know, some, some real passion there. That's the thing. Like the last few years, you know, Donnie just mentioned it, where you think about the skills and it's kind of just guys goofing around. Like those are the moments yeah. that stand out. It's uh, guys switching jerseys in the in the shootout challenge and stuff like that. But in the break, we were talking about the NBA skills, you know, mostly mm. the dunk contest. But there's like Larry Bird had an iconic three point contest where he was like, none of y'all are beating me, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like yeah. if we can get that kind of energy in the skills competition, that would be probably more standout than anything that we've had from the hockey game in in a really long time. Yeah, I mean, and and it's interesting because, I mean, uh, you know, Quinn Hughes, of course, he's great at so many different skills. Elias Pettersson, same thing. And low-key, JT Miller, too. I mean, he can shoot the puck. He can skate fairly well, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he's he's a guy that can do well in in the skills competition as far as Canuck players go. Yeah, they should be. They should be in the mix. And they, they have both things, right? They have the versatility you know Quinn Hughes is going to be among the best skaters yeah. there PD's already a guy that that's put himself in the, the hardest shot conversation mm. before but so they, they have 
ultimate strengths in two or three things, but they are all, it's not like they're going to go into any of the particular categories and be like, well, they got no chance here. Yeah. Like they, they're, they're really well-rounded. It's like a decathlon almost. It's interesting. I like it. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. It, Olympics. You know? uh, yeah. NHL all-star game Olympics. <laughs> uh, that's not too bad. Um, okay. We have a lot of reaction on the text inbox. We'll hit, hit some more, but Marcus from the Ridge brings up he doesn't see the Canucks trading for any types of rentals. Uh, they're going to look more for players uh, that are in the 24 to 26 year range or on bridge types of contracts. Uh, maybe they're looking at teams that are you know looking at longer term builds that have young players, whether that's Ottawa, Chicago, San Jose, Columbus, Montreal, Buffalo, Anaheim. That's what Marcus says. Others obviously say the Canucks should be in the rental market. But as far as are they going to be in the rental market? The president of the team, Jim Rutherford, joined us a couple of weeks ago on Connect Central or, or just the week before last. And he said, yes, they would love, of course, if they're trading their best assets to get somebody that's under contract with term, younger player that's more controllable and everything. But it really depends on the trade market. And they may have to be in the rental market because of that's where the players that are available are this season. So I, I agree we shouldn't close the door on the team surprising us making some sort of a trade, finding that type of ideal fit, right? But given what the market looks like from the outside and what they've told us with a little bit of info they do give us, is that the the rental market might be the market to play in this year for them. Yeah, I, this is, it seems like there's there's some openings in the league to, to make a run for it. It's going to be hard, I think, to go beyond that just in Vancouver when you're yeah. looking at, you know, Patterson's going to get that contract, Ronick's future, et cetera, et cetera. They have a very good chance to go for it this year. And it's, I think, the more we talked about it so far in the show today, the Lindholm-Tanev combination, if you're getting two guys for a rental price, now obviously you're going to yeah. pay a little bit more than you would just to uh, to get one of them. And could you maybe keep one of them? But you feel better about doing yeah. that, I think, when you're getting two pieces for a rental price versus, hey, we're giving up what you know whatever that trade would look like. We're, we're going to trade, uh, let's just say, the, the Hoaglander, uh, a, a high pick, and a, a cap dump right. for what, you know, whatever these, you know, the, the, the Lindholm ones, the Poitras <laughs> right. and, and company, um, whatever that looks like. If you're getting two players that solidify really important parts of your team, then you can kind of justify it with, hey, like we, we are going for it and we're not just doing it for one piece. We're, we're getting both pieces that our roster needs. Yeah, and, and I think that's going to be the fascinating thing if they actually can pull something like that off. Uh, this text says, no chance it moves the door off. Where did that co stuff come from anyways? Well, Elliot Friedman mentioned it today on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, uh, Jeff Merrick's show, and also with Donnie and Dolly that... Um, that's a name to keep an eye on. The Canucks may be moving out to clear money. Now, again, like we just mentioned, if he's getting moved, I think it's because we're bringing another defenseman in. Now, we can discuss this more as the week goes on, obviously, about what the Canucks may do at the trade deadline. And there's no trade freeze. So things can happen right now. So uh, who knows what happens? So we'll be on trade watch here this week, Izzy. Yeah, look that this is uh, we're we're pretty much in the zone, the Horvat zone from last year, right? So trades can tr trades can start happening now yeah absolutely all right we'll keep the conversation going uh it's satyar shah with israel fair on canuck central